Hey, I'm Stephen Hovatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10, 15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. It's been a rousing morning so far. I have loved being in worship with you uh, today. There is a refrain in the opening part of Scripture, in those very first chapters of creation, that goes like this. This is the drumbeat of the creation story. God makes something on a day, the day changes, right? God makes something. He looks at it and he says, it is good. 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 Comes there, there. I, I really think that drumbeat, though, that refrain that, that repeats over and over again in that exact same language is meant to sort of set us up, though. Okay? It sets us up for something that's at the very end of the first chapter. After God has finished his creation. And if we look in the first chapter of Genesis, read with me just uh, some of these uh, some of these opening verses at the at the very that we, as we come to the end of it. Look in verse twenty six. Let's read this very last stage of the creation story. God said, "Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth." And so God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves Upon the earth, and God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was, indeed it was good. Indeed, it was very good. But chapter two, chapter two says, well, we kind of rushed through that a little bit. And that whole little piece of the story that says, and God created humanity, male and female, he created them and he blessed them and he gave them his charge. And then he said, it is very good. Chapter two says, hold on, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Because that may be where the story ended up. But there was more of the story in between there. And if we just 
blow up a little bit of that story and raise it out. It actually went something like this. In verse four, the last part of verse four, in that day, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. And then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. It goes on to tell us about uh, the planting of the garden that is Eden. And it comes back to the story in verse 15. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may eat freely of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Verse 18 says, and then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. We've been prepared to hear this in all its impact by the way that the first chapter set us up with that refrain of creation. It is good, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is very good. But chapter 2 says, in between all of that good, and before we got to very good, there was a moment when something was not good. And the not good thing was loneliness. Now, I would tell you that we could, there are ways of reading this story focusing, and, 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 and these are you know, somewhat fair, to focus on the male and female part of this story where there is uh, the, the beginnings of the human family, where the beginnings of uh, the relationship that a husband and a wife share with each other, and the story that focuses on that part where it is about what does it mean for these two people to complement each other. That's that's an important and significant reading too. But I would want you to see that this story is not just about the not goodness of a man not having a wife yet. In fact, I would say that if we read this with the theological eyes of the New Testament, we would have to read into there and say, sometimes there are men and there are women that are called to something that is not that husband and wife relationship. There are people that, who are called to the gift of singleness. And Paul even goes so far to say, if that is in your possibilities, if that's in your capacity, that is to be preferred. But what happens in Genesis 2 is not only about that relationship. In a broader sense, what was not good is the simple fact of aloneness in the world. 
And what is founded there is not just the husband and wife relationship, but it is also the beginnings of community. This is the beginning of what it will mean for humans to not just walk through the world by themselves as individuals, but instead to live in a system of relationships, some of which are as intimate as that of a man and his wife, and some of which are in those relationships that are just the acquaintances that we have in the world. It is about this profound thing that God gives us in each other. It is about the gift of friendship. Friendship is a gift. It is a gift from God that we need not walk through the world by ourselves, even though we may feel that way from time to time. God looks at the loneliness that is sometimes the human condition and unfortunately was not forever dispelled in this moment, although the possibility of something else is created. The possibility of what it means to live with friendship for each other. We're going to spend a few weeks talking about friendship and talking about some of the skills that we need to develop friendships and some of the things that friendship offers us in the world. And it's a tricky thing. It's tricky partly because we have some kind of code words in the church for friendship. We talk about relationships. We talk about community. We talk about connection. We talk about gen groups and geo groups. What even are these things? And at the end, we're talking about something that means something like friendship. But it's a slippery thing, isn't it? It's hard to know exactly what it is we mean by that. Surely what we mean by that is not necessarily that all three, four, five hundred of us will just all of a sudden be best friends. Is that what we mean? Is that the standard for whether the church is achieving its goals of relationships? When we talk about belonging, and that, that's one of our particular words that we use here at Central. When we're talking about belonging, do we mean that you should be able to look across the room and see somebody there and say, they are my best friend? Is that what we mean? Surely not. If that is what we mean, we are setting ourselves up for great disappointment. For that is not an expectation that cannot be missed. Tell, hey, tell me who's some of your best friends. Well, you got a minute? I'm just going to be a, it, Let me get the directory out. Go through these for you. And yet sometimes I think that's the expectation that we give off because when we talk about relationships, we act as though they are a static and single thing, that they are all created equal, and that's just simply not the reality we're going to talk with a little bit more clarity about what this friendship gig looks like for people who are following Jesus together. That together bit surely encompasses something of friendship, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah, we need to have a little bit more nuanced vision of that 
than just what we might get from all the buddy movies that Hollywood offers. I want us to start with this mentality that friendship is a gift. And I want to work on that a little bit today and and kind of play with that idea and also use it to challenge some mentalities which I think can be sort of toxic to us, that can be uh, harmful for us in the way that we think about friendship. I think we have some work to do here in the way that we think about and the way that we cultivate friendship. And I think we can start in this place, this idea that friendship is a gift. I am very blessed with all of my children who I love equally without any reservations. But every once in a while, one of them will show a little bit of a nuancing that the others maybe are are, are a little bit different, okay? There is one of our children that has a special charisma, a special gift, and it is sweet Lucy Hovatter. Hey there, Lou. Now, one thing that you need to know about Lucy Hovatter is he is profoundly at receiving gifts, okay? Now, I'm not at all suggesting you should all bring one, okay? (laughs) But I'll tell you this, and if we threw a party for little Lou and you all brought gifts, and even without knowing anything about what she likes or she's into, you could bring something and she would open it. She would then put it aside and she would run and hug you and embrace you and tell you it was the fav- her favorite thing in the world. She's exceptionally good at receiving gifts. Do you know anybody like that? Let me ask it the other way. Do you know anybody that's not like that? Do you know anybody that you can almost see when they are opening up the gifts on Christmas morning or on their birthday party or whatever, and they seem to open it with deep suspicion. As though they're, you've planted a bomb in their present for some reason, you know? Like what you're going to offer, they're not quite sure that it is good enough, right? They're not quite sure that it's what they wanted or what was on their list. I remember a certain birthday that our, uh, some of our children who will not remain, uh, who will remain anonymous, it was our older ones, um, And despite their wish list, which was cell phones, we weren't ready for that parental decision. I don't know if any of us are ready for it, honestly. And you know what? That year, that's not what everybody got for Christmas. And you can almost see, oh, didn't get what we wanted, right? You ever been in that place? One of the first things that I want to say about friendship as a gift is that one of our ideas that runs counter to this is that sometimes we have the idea that friendship must fit a certain ideal. 
And what we call friendship should look a certain way. It should be a certain thing. It should mean that I share my deepest secrets. I have a, a broad range of his experiences with somebody and history. They can almost read my mind and they can finish, we, can, we finish each other's sandwiches, right? We can finish each other's thoughts and sentences. We are that tight. And you know what? If you've got that kind of friend, you've got that kind of buddy, good for you. But if that's your expectation of what every friendship should look like, you are missing all of the gifts of friendship that are in your life that aren't that yet. Because while we sometimes think that friendship must fit a certain kind of ideal, the truth is that friendship is a varied and abundant gift in our world. And it looks like a lot of different things. Just like the Lord God said that he was giving to his creatures the ability to eat of all the different green plants in the world and all the different kinds of fruit with, fruit with its seed in it. Remember that part of the story? God loves to give his creatures in variety and in abundance. And aren't you glad that when you go to lunch, it's probably a bad practice for me to talk about lunch, but aren't you glad that when you go to lunch today, it will probably look something different than what you ate the other 60 times last week. Ovatters, we're having leftovers, so don't get your hopes up too much. But aren't you glad? I used to have a friend, his name was Dale Lyons, and uh, Dale would look at his food, and he would say before he prayed to, to give thanks for his seeds, he'd say, he, uh, my, friend, my, my friend Banks, uh, this was his father, and he would say, boys, sometimes I just think of how grateful I am that food is as beautiful as it is, and it smells, and there's so many different kinds of it in the world. And he would just remind us of how God's gift of food comes in a lot of different flavors, and so do your friends. And as soon as you learn to appreciate and recognize friendship in its many different forms and recognize that friendship as a gift. Friendship is a, a varied and abundant gift. It comes in a lot of different packages. And when you start to see that, before we become able to see that, Sometimes we might be powerfully disappointed and feel like the friends that we have in the world, like our level of friendship that we have in the world is a disappointment. And I must say with honesty, we have to begin to reckon with how many people in our world feel like they simply don't have friends. And it may indeed be that some of us have more than our fair share and some of us have less than we really need to be healthy and whole as humans. Friendship is a varied and it's an abundant gift, but it's not distributed evenly in the world. And yet I think 
that part of our mentality has to become being able to recognize it in the small spaces in our life so that we may cultivate and grow those small beginning seedling relationships and friendships into something greater. There's a Ben Rector song that I really like, and he says, he sings in it, he says, you can't make old friends. And it speaks to that you can't start on one day and say, I'm going to start a relationship or a friendship with somebody right now, and it's going to be a best friend, full, old, long relationship. It's not like that, is it? And yet, your young, small, seed, seedling relationships right now might be the old friends of your future and we don't necessarily recognize where those things come from until we've got some miles on them. Friendship is varied. It looks like lots of different things. I've got the friends that I work with. I've got friends that I play with. I've got friends in the neighborhood and I've got friends from way back home. I've got friends that I, uh, I, I like to play games with, and I've got friends that I like to watch games with. I've got friends that I like to say, roll tide to. And then I've got those doggone friends from Tennessee that sure like to send me the text messages when they win every 17 years. I've got friends with whom I like to play comp competitive games with. And then I've got friends that I just like to pull up to a table to and share a delicious meal. I've got friends that are good for making, uh, we, uh, Chad and I had friends, uh, had, a, had breakfast with one of our old friends this last week. And he is a friend that makes me cry with laughter almost every time I'm with him. I cannot walk away without, without those kinds of ridiculous laughs. And then I have friends that strike me as people that make me think so deeply about the world. And I got to tell you, my friend Bert is not necessarily that friend. <laughs> Friendship looks different in different spaces. Old friends, new friends, red friends, blue friends when we learn to appreciate that friendship is fundamentally a gift and learn to receive with gratitude the gifts that we receive rather than the gifts that we thought we wanted, we are in a position to live with gratitude and fullness toward the friendships that we have. So, although we might have this idealized notion of friendship in our mind, I would encourage you to open up to receive whatever friendship we find. There's a theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer that's meant a lot to me a lot in my life. He wrote a book called uh, Life Together, which is about what it means to live in Christian community. One of the more fundamental books that really shaped the way that I think about relationships and what it means to have friendships in the community of Jesus Christ. Bonhoeffer writes in that book, that the one who is too close to his dream of community will destroy the community that he has. 
Because if we try to, like ourselves, live up to a certain kind of standard, if we hold up our friends to the standard of the ideal that we just kind of made up in our mind, we will lose our grasp of the friends as they are in the world. Let me encourage you to open your heart and to receive the varied and abundant gift of God that is friendship in all its forms. That word abundant is kind of tricky though, right? Because sometimes there is another mentality that I want to lean against just a little bit, and that is that friendship is scarce. Friendship is a a scarce and finite thing. There's only a limited amount of it in the world. And you're lucky if you have a good friend. And if you don't find that good friend, well, you're just out of luck. Friendship as a scarce thing is a dangerous way to think about the way it exists in the world. One of the ways that it shows up, that this mentality shows up, is when we think of friends, the people in our orbit, the friendship that they have to offer as being something that um, only, there's only so much of it to go around. There's only so much of the pie available, right? Because what do we do with scarce, finite resources in our world? We compete for them. And if we think about friendship as something that we must compete for, that gets really toxic really quickly. So pained to know uh, to have a friend several years ago, and it was almost like if you went to go have dinner at if if you invited somebody else to have dinner at your house they were offended if they also weren't invited I know this part gets a little touchy if you were going to plan a trip with a couple of other families well then their family sure better be invited to go with them if not it was so offensive how dare you have fun without me coming along. Aren't we friends? I gotta tell you, I'm saying something here. My teenage friends, I hope you're listening to me. The habit of competing for friendship in such a way that either you get it or somebody else gets it, that is a dangerous habit to develop in your life because it'll lead you to have these moments of intense jealousy and it actually has a way of intensifying the loneliness that sometimes we feel because we learn to see what somebody else is enjoying in the gift of friendship and we begin to develop a covetous attitude I mean, if you've been reading the Ten Commandments and you weren't really tempted to covet your neighbor's ox or donkey, you've never been jealous about somebody else's friendship? It's kind of a different thing. But when we think of friendship as scarce, 
Part of what we are doing is we are thinking about the other people in our lives as objects to be used for our good as tools to make us feel a certain way to for us to achieve our desires and our needs and we stop thinking about them as individual other people and i found that that whole idea of friendship is scarce and something that needs to be competed for that it actually does so much harm to the way relationships are formed Rather, we are much better off, like if I have a friend and they, they are developing a friendship with somebody else, that's a good thing for me. Because friendship is a burden better shared among other people. And if my friend is being blessed by somebody else that is bringing the joy of friendship into their life, I end up being blessed by that too. When we see the friends of our friends as threats, we are allowing something really destructive into our hearts and into our lives. Let us be people who open-heartedly don't just compete for friendship, but who are receiving it as a gift. Not a trophy to be won, but a gift to be received in the different ways that we find it. Now, I know that sometimes the scarcity of friendship is something that we profoundly feel. And we must allow for that real scarcity that sometimes exists. But let us not respond to the scarcity of friendship by competing for what we think already is there. Let's respond to scarcity by just making more of the stuff. Why would we think that friendship is scarce when people are so abundant? Surely there is more space for friendship if we will receive what is already there at the beginning. So friendship is a varied and abundant gift, and I would say that we receive and cultivate and share it. It's not something that we fight for and compete to win. It's not something that we seize like the fruit of the tree of Eden. Rather, it is something that we welcome into our lives. We receive it. We cultivate it. And then because we receive it and have grown more of it, we are free to share it as a blessing for other people. We're ready to offer it into other spaces. Listen, friendship is a gift, but not something that we just passively receive. It doesn't show up on our doorstep in an Amazon package just to be open and there it is. We do have to till the ground and to keep the garden a little bit. And do some of that work of what it means. And we're going to do some of that work of trying to understand what some of those skills and capacities are for the, that cultivate friendship. We're going to work on that over the next month. Today we're just starting with the initial mentality. That initial mentality is that friendship is a gift. Or another way we might say that is that each of us, together, we are a gift to each other. To say that friendship is a gift 
is to recognize that when God looks into the garden and sees the man working by himself, lonely, that we have a, a, a recognition that there is some sense that that is not good. We do, in fact, need each other. And each of us is in some way a gift to each other. As though God opens up and says, it's not good for Stephen to be alone. Somehow he makes, whether from my rib or from the dust of the ground, enough other people to go around so that God will look and see that no longer does he say it is not good, but he looks at the flourishing of human community in all its varied and abundant relationships. He look and say, it is very good. So may we be people who work the garden, who till it and keep it, and who are a force for God's blessing in the world as we receive, cultivate, and share the gift of friendship that God has given us. I want to tell you a story. It's not the full thing, and they may have notes about it uh, to share in a moment. Uh, this week, got the call um, Morgan Hines let us know that his friend, Het, was ready to be baptized. And Het, uh, I'm, so gra- I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for it. I'm glad that you're in that space where you're ready to make that commitment to Jesus. But I, th- I don't think I'm out on a limb when I say that that is part of the fruit of a friendship that's been cultivated for years. And that friendship is itself, even before this fruit, but that friendship is itself a good, good thing. And man, we are so grateful to have you as part of our community of faith here. We're so grateful for what you offer. You are indeed a gift to us. In the way that I mean all the stuff about this sermon. I didn't say at the beginning, this sermon is about Het, but I mean, it really was, okay? And it is very good. And you know what, Morgan? Morgan, you're a gift. You're a gift to Het, you're a gift to us. And so are each of you. And in this community, that gift of friendship is received as we indeed are going through this process, this common thing that we're sharing together of following the Lord Jesus. We say it all the time, that we are a church that is following Jesus together. And it turns out that that together part is mighty important. If you're in a space where you too have been at the cultivating and and being fed with a desire to be a part of a community of people who are following Jesus together, if you're in that space where you too are wanting to give your life to Jesus in baptism, we welcome you. We welcome you to do that while we stand and sing together.